Listeners are advised, this podcast contains coarse language, themes of an adult nature, and inappropriate thoughts about boy bands. And inappropriate thoughts by boy bands, motherfucker. Welcome to... I'm with the boy band. With... Zoe Linkson. And... Amy Long. Why did I get all the ands and ins and welcomes and <laughs> I didn't know you got we all the good words? That. I know, I surprised you. Come as a big shock to me. I was too busy <laughs> scrolling through my phone looking for boy bad news. Oh. Good week. I've had my right week. It's long long bank holiday weekend. Yes. Lovely. It is. The hottest bank holiday, August bank holiday Monday ever on record. What is the temperature? I uh, it was thirty one something last time I checked. It'll go up because that was this morning. Do we know what that is for our American listeners? They can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> it normally doesn't get declared for a couple of days because like, everyone sends their... Te- I know this in the... It says 31 currently. Yeah, so mm. they all the weather stations send in their temperatures and if one of them's record-breaking, then the Met Office send down people to check the calibration oh. on their equipment before it's officially declared at a certain temperature. I've just changed my iPhone to find out. 87 Although apparently it's one degree higher in every direction other than where we're sat. We must have a wind tunnel here. 87, which doesn't seem like it's that hot, but trust me. It's really warm. When you're in a nation that's not geared up for hot weather, like our homes don't have air conditioning. And... We're so British talking about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's change the subject. Um, Boy band just... news. Oh, I was going to change the subject to talk about tea. Oh, no. Boy band news. So, has everyone seen Harry Styles on the front of Rolling Stone magazine? That and was, also... I was going to do Harry Styles. In the Gucci like, perfume advert. How many how many copies of Rolling Stone do I need to require for you? How many girls do I have to ask to send one over? I really only need one. Okay. Mm. I didn't know if you wanted one and then one for getting messy. <laughs> oh, you're so gross. No, I will look after it very well. Okay. You keep it in a plastic bag like no. they do with their comic books on no. the Big Bang Theory. No, definitely not that. Okay. But also, he's the face of the new Gucci perfume for men and women, which is so perfect for Harry because he's so into equal rights and he's... I wouldn't describe him as non-binary. I don't think he would describe himself as that. No, he it's is like androgynous. But somebody in a um, interview asked him and Liam what their ideal partner would be like, and Liam said female, and Harry went, "Not that important." Oh, I read a really inter. In fact, it might have even been from part of that Rolling Stone interview oh. with Harry saying that. The um, Larry shipping thing, which mm. I'm sure we've discussed before, where the fans have became obsessed with the belief that they thought Liam and Harry were no, in a relationship. Louis and Harry. Louis and Harry. They need to not have two people with <laughs> L's. Louis and Harry were in a relationship, made their actual relationship really bad because yeah. they started avoiding. Yeah. touching each other or standing next to each other yes. in public which and actually just makes it look more obvious like yeah. when Angelina but, and Brad started doing that yeah but it's just makes it so it, it's, it's a sad. different perspective on on how that thing which obviously fans do because they think it's fun yeah how it's affected their them long term that right. they can't just be normal mates because they, everything well, they, they used do to live together they yeah. had a flat together and then suddenly they just moved out just yeah. out of the blue and because it must everything have been can be taken completely out of context yeah poor my boy band news and I, I i didn't tweet this out i put it in the facebook group uh how amazing was donnie Wahlberg's birthday cake 
I mean, I didn't see a cake in that picture. I mean, I don't think I anyone saw, saw all it. Cake, all beefcake. <laughs> from head to toe couldn't even see his toes when you said have you seen donnie's birthday cake i was like hang on let me zoom in here and then i realized it was a cake made of pants but the cake is completely irrelevant to the picture (laughs) let's face it (laughs) i felt i had to share other Mm. boy bad news Uh, what do you think of the vmas loved it amazing yeah they were great they were they were fucking brilliant when Mm. they came on i just lost it and yeah yeah exciting uh, five seasons of summer. Five seconds of summer. Five seasons of summer, is it not? Is it five seconds of summer? Yes, it is. Thank God we're not going to have to learn the name because this week what happened? We decided they're not a fucking boy band. Because they look like they smell. And having been to a festival yesterday, <laughs> I can confirm everyone who goes to those things smell bad. Apart from the people smoking weed next to me. It was a hot Sunday. Yeah, that's true. And they'd been there But two Reading days. was always the smelliest festival out of all the mm. festivals. Reading always stunk worse. Than it's anything. not. It wasn't. It's close to the river as well. It doesn't help. Yeah, that's true. But um. by the way, Foo Fighters, not a boy band. Fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, Foo Fighters news. That's what I had to. That's what I was scrolling and trying to find. What? In, cause it, this fits in nicely with my. I'm going to go on. My new obsession is. Um, Lee Ryan. Oh, oh sorry, God. Lee Ryan from Blue. My apologies, Lee Ryan from Blue. Um, in celebs go dating. Yeah. <laughs> so after I mentioned it to you, have you gone back and watched the whole lot? I marathoned it yesterday, <laughs> and then when yes. I woke up this morning, I was fi- finishing off this week's boy. Uh, sorry, next week's boy band of the week. I had it play on in the background again, playing because I, I, I what I was gonna do was take notes to see if we can't start up a separate section for the cult of From Blue. So it used to be Matt Goss saying all these Weird mental things. things, and now it's Lee Ryan from Blue. Yeah. I also saw Duncan James from Blue has been acquired by oh, Innocent Smoothies. This is what I had to know. It was Lee, was it not? That was on doing the Innocent. No, no, Duncan James from Blue. Oh, Can I... you give them their full names, please, when you Sorry. address them? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I wanted to ask you. So in Celebs Go Dating, mm. he's talking about Duncan or someone's talking about the possibility of dating Duncan. And he turns around and goes, well, he's gay. But that would have been before Duncan officially came out, which was only recent, wasn't it? Well... I think it's quite a recent TV show, though. Yeah, but they'd have been recording that all throughout last, like the start of this year, and he's come out in the last five, I six thought, weeks. Oh, okay, I thought so. It do was we think more he's been Tiffany? That. In that he's been forced out of the closet because Lee's gone shit, mate. I don't sorry. know. No, because technically Duncan was fully out before that was broadcast, so he hasn't really done that. But do you think it was? He's gone, mate, sorry, I've mentioned this on and I've watched an episode and they've <laughs> left it in, so you're going to have to tell everyone. I don't know, I don't know. I think Duncan's in a really good, sorry, Duncan James from Blue is in a really good place in his life right now. Okay, I'm trying to find a news piece when I was, sorry, I was Googling Lee Ryan from Blue earlier. And I found a news piece, which is why I was kind of like, oh, this fits in nice with your Foo Fighters thing, where he, there was quotes from him about how he had a night out 
with the Foo Fighters and he was telling me about how famous he was. But I now can't find it. Oh. I will find it for next week. Well, Dave Grohl loves an English pop star, by the way, because Rick Astley popped out to sing with them last night. <laughs> Shut up, We got seriously. Rick Rolled. We got Rick Rolled. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. I mean, I knew it was going to happen because it's happened a lot recently, yeah. but it was still fun. And obviously I knew the words to that and all the 18-year-olds around me did not. They were like, who's this old man? And I'm like, yeah. So, any other boy band news? I believe that's it. I'm saving everything else for next week. Oh, amazing. Because okay. we've got such a... It's a long one this week. This week's boy band of the week. It's a fucking it's good part one. part one of a 58-part story. Not the, the boy band. We do all managed to fit the whole boy band in mm. this week but there's a succession of boy bands and connections that they're linked to so it's it's kind of a little mini series on this management company great right well we'll be back in a minute to update our ultimate boy band playlist on spotify did i yeah, do it and do a little bit you did do it did and we'll it. do a little bit of string theory yeah woo Right, so we're picking new tracks for the Boy Band Ultimate playlist. I can't ever Nearly. get it right. I know. I'm, it's so close. It is close. I'm going to start rewarding you like a pet dog. <laughs> Every time you get one right. I get I'm a gonna... pat on the head and a treat. <laughs> <laughs> so we left off last week with B2K. Yes. Bom, bom, bom. Yes. And we're going? following that up with, I think my selection's going in first. Okay. Which is a band you've all heard of previously. It is LFO, a.k.a. The Light Funky Ones. And I'm not going for the obvious track. I am going for Girl on TV, which I think is probably my favourite one of theirs. The video starred Jennifer Love Hewitt, who may or may not have been dating Rich Cronin at the time. That's something else we should... Jennifer Love Hewitt is definitely a note we should make for boy band string theory. Oh, really? We're definitely going to need her at some point, I'm, okay. I'm certain. <laughs> okay, good. So, Amy and I just sat trying to do this week's boy band string theory. <laughs> it took us a while to get there because we kept linking Donnie back to Donnie. <laughs> we tried to do it in reverse order, go, no, 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 let's do Let's work backwards. And then we were like, I've got it, I've got it. No, that's Donnie to Donnie. Fuck. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Girl on TV was written and recorded by Ella. LFO. It was released in November 99 from their album LFO. Their eponymous. I'm getting further away from that word now. Eponymously. There we go. Uh, it was their second single and it peaked at number 10 on the US Billboard Hot 100 and at number 6 in the UK where it was their biggest hit. It was certified gold in 2000 for the shipment of over 500,000 copies in the US. That's interesting because I think our levels are different for platinum and gold yeah. certification in the UK. So yeah, Girl on TV. It's a so good one. I am throwing in, we're taking it back boy band. So moving away from the R&B that yeah. we've, we've kind of got into, we're taking it back pure boy band. I can't not add in. And I'm so shocked that we haven't added this boy band in before now. I am going with... The 1997 single release from boy band 911. It was the fifth single taken off their album, The Journey. It peaked at number three on the UK singles charts. Uh, it's Basically, it's their signature song. It's their signature dance move. Yes. Uh, as of 2013, 
it has sold over hundred over one hundred and twenty six thousand copies in the UK. It's not actually a lot. That's in like sixteen enough. years. Yeah. No, I think I question that Wikipedia. It, they'd recorded it in 1996, as I said, off their 97 album, The Journey. My contribution to this week's Ultimate Boy Band playlist is 911's You Got My, my Body Shaking. Shivers, shivers in my soul. We can't sing, no. clearly. Body Shaking. Yeah, great Excellent. song. Great, great Such song. a good song, it really is. Yeah, good. And obviously, as this comes out, when's this episode out? This episode goes out on the august the 30th 30th of august okay too soon too soon i was about to say as this comes out i'm gonna be at butlins watching 911 <laughs> but it's a week too early if i'm at butlins when this comes out i'm way too early and i've missed my holiday yeah so we, let's jump straight into boy band string theory from there then because <laughs> we've just had four hours trying to make it work well now it works so um you go with yours first or shall i go with mine first which way around? you I think yours is more fun, okay. so I'm going to go in mine okay. first. So I am doing... What, boy- more fun than last week when I went, <laughs> LFO had new kids on the block in their video. Or we then did another level, which was Dane Bowers, Danny Wood, Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah, we didn't actually go through that after. <laughs> we we, uh, we uh, were very remiss. We assumed Let's that everyone had followed. Level. Do you want to do another level, Amy? Yes, so another level had a boy band member called Dane Bowers... He starred in Totally Boy Band and formed a boy band called Upper Street with Danny Wood from New Kids on the Block, who is in a band called New Kids on the Block with Donny Wahlberg, a.k.a. Subject Zero. <laughs> okay, you go. Who are you doing? I am doing five, so I'm Ooh. dipping into our back catalogue again. Yes. I, now it's one of your boy bands that you did, so mm-hmm. um, I am doing so five on their album, so their last studio album, which is called King Size, mm. they had a track which was called, two tracks actually, Hear Me Now and On Top of the World, which were written with and produced by a Norwegian producing team called Stargate. Right. Uh, Tor Eric Hermansen and Mikael Storle Eriksson. Mm. Stargate also wrote and produced two records called I'm Into You and Medicine, which were album tracks for a female singer called Jennifer Lopez. Mm, doesn't ring a bell. Jennifer Lopez is, I mean, she's huge in the States. Is she? Yeah. But she started off her career as a backing dancer for the new kids on the block. Fuck me, I didn't know <laughs> Did that. Did you not know that? Do you know what? She's, she's just Jenny, turned 50 as well, she's still, she? she's still... Jenny from the block. Yes. She's fucking awesome, J-Lo. I she's fucking love, love her. Ugh, oh, she's the yeah. best. So that's my string theory. You've got you've got a fun one and you need the notes, don't okay, you? Yeah, I do need the notes. We went you round and going, round and round on this. So you are going from one of your boy bands again, aren't you? So you're doing... We've got... We had like a couple of really more obvious routes in, didn't we? Let me do the one we picked and then yeah. we can always run through the, the other ones. So I decided that it was high time we brought back the Jonas Brothers into this conversation. The so, uh, Subject Zeroes of Boy Bandipity. Yes, they, yes. Where it all began. Where it all began. Yes, <laughs> that's where boy bandipity began. So, Jonas Brothers. So, Joe Jonas is married to Sophie Turner. She uh, was in X-Men with James McAvoy, who starred in a film called Split in 2006, which was an M. Night Shyamalan film. And he also created The Sixth Sense, which was a film 
that Subject Zero, Donnie Wahlberg, starred in. Yeah, and a lot of people never spot him. No. Like, you can still say to people now, oh, yeah, when Donnie was in The Sixth Sense and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because he lost, like, 50, 60, possibly even 70 pounds. He was brilliant. For the role. It was so good. Yeah. He was brilliant. So, yeah. other routes from Jonas to Wahlberg. We There's had... a faster route via James McAvoy. It's, it's the obvious route. So, you can go... So it was Sophie in X-Men mm-hmm. with James McAvoy. Yep. You can go direct from James McAvoy via Band of Brothers. Yep. James was in Band of Brothers with Donnie. Yeah. And we've also got Jonas to Demi Lovato. Everyone knows about their connection. Demi was a judge on X Factor, which Khloe Kardashian hosted. She is the sister-in-law of Kanye West, who had some beef with 50 Cent. And 50 Cent appeared on stage with New Kids on the Block at Madison <laughs> Square Garden in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a route from Demi via Glee through Matthew Morrison to Element to O-Town to New Kids. We thought that was too complicated. Yeah, so. too many steps. Too many steps. Yeah. So that is this week's boy band string theory wrapped up and tied up with a nice little bow. The end. Right then, Zoe, boy band of the week. I'm excited for this one. (laughs) You think we're going to get Bay City off the uh, top of the charts? It's a possibility. I I hope so. Uh, In late 1990. I'll start again because I erred <laughs> into it. In late 1999, in an audition room in London, James Bourne <gasps> waited nervously for his turn to perform. He'd seen an advert for a new boy band and, with a background in theatre, he was taking his chances. He had begun learning guitar at school in South End, and after much practice was able to play the songs of his idol Michael Jackson, uh-huh. but also discovered he had a bit of a talent for songwriting. And he loved performing, having taken part in a production of Oliver Locally. He spotted an open audition for the West End production of the musical and eventually spent two years playing at the famous London Palladium, first as a member of Fagin's gang and eventually in the lead role of Oliver. What? I didn't know that. (laughs) By the age of 13, he'd formed his own band called Sick Puppy at his school. Uh, His school was the Morgan Academy of Performing Arts, He'd also formed another connection with another pupil, aspiring actress Cara Toynton. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I can't even go into how I had a row with her once. Have we talked about that? You've mentioned it and never told me. Okay. God, it's going to take four hours if I keep stumbling (laughs) on every bit. We're not even into the second paragraph yet. His audition was for the duo behind Prestige Management, American Richard Rashman and fellow Essex boy Matthew Fletcher, They were finding members for a new boy band called Scandal, who it was hoped would rival the big acts of the day, five Westlife and the Backstreet Boys. Okay, so he, just so we're clear at this point, based on what we know now, it was an audition for a boy band. Yes. Cool. Also at the audition, but not noticed by James, who was wrapped up in his own nerves, was another stage school boy, 16-year-old Matthew Sargent. Matt had been born in Kingston-upon-Thames. Oh, and brought up in the rougher part of Molesley in Surrey. I know exactly who this is. Mum Linda was barmaid and Dad Kevin was a factory worker. They had split up when Matt was three. One night whilst down the pub with his family for karaoke night, Matt was urged by his mum to do a turn and he got up and sang Oasis's Don't Look Back in Anger. Mm. He impressed a local songwriter who asked Matt if he'd record one of his songs and then without Matt's knowledge, the songwriter sent the tape off to the Sylvia Young Theatre School 
as an application for a scholarship. Matt didn't win the free place, but Sylvia Young herself called to offer him a deal. If Matt would sign up to her talent agency, he could attend the school and use the fees from his acting jobs to pay for his classes. His edgy look soon won him parts in the bill and casualty. He was popular at school and with five boys for every 24 girls there, he was winning hearts. (laughs) Among them was fellow pupil called Amy Winehouse. Mm. But as much as he enjoyed acting, Matt wanted to be in a band. Mm. Uh, But it wouldn't be this band. Both Matt and James were unsuccessful in their auditions for Scandal. But they both caught the eye of Rashman and Fletch. Seeing that both boys had talent, Rashman stayed in touch with them throughout 2000, encouraging each of them to continue with their songwriting. It took him a year to have the idea of putting the two boys together. And so in early 2001... You know, how slow is that? (laughs) 17-year-old Matthew Willis. So explain the name. So his stepfather was called Sergeant. He acted under the name Sergeant. His birth name was Matt Willis. Uh, 17-year-old Matthew Willis knocked on the door of an impressive home in Southend with a sea view where 17-year-old James James Bourne lived with his family. James was at college studying music production and in the dining room of the family home next to a piano, he'd set up an eight-track home recording studio which he himself had bought from the fees he'd earned from acting work he'd done. James had also been working with a couple of other musicians at this time that Rashman had connected him with, a 23-year-old called Kai Fitzgerald from Kent. He's the son of a Scottish singer called Scott Fitzgerald, who'd had one minor hit and also represented the UK at Eurovision in 1988, Uh, and another guy called Owen Doyle, who was from Birmingham. And so the four set about working together as a band, they used the name The Termites, and on March the 15th, 2001, each of the four signed a management contract with Richard Rashman and Prestige Management. Uh, out of the four, Matt and James hit it off straight away and were soon writing together with ease. The first song they wrote together was called Sleeping With The Light On, oh. and that was soon followed by a song about the Sylvia Young Theatre School dance teacher that Matt had a crush on. (laughs) Although they changed her name to Miss Mackenzie in the lyrics, they wrote What I Go to School For. Knowing that what was going on was something a bit special, James quit his college course to focus full-time on being a musician. So they they each signed with the management separately is that what we're saying that's what i get the impression yeah. from that they signed like they, they didn't they, sign as a band they weren't as put busted. together as a band but no. they were yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing they did agree on with kai and owen though was that the termites was not the right name for them hmm. and although nobody really remembers how it came about by april they began to go under the name busted from that summer, Matt had practically moved into the Bournes' home, crashing on James's bedroom floor most nights until the Bournes bought him his own bed. They were kind of like, <laughs> dude, stop sleeping on the floor. Um, they spent their days at the piano writing, and one day they took a discussion of James's favourite film, which was Back to the Future, and mm. turned it into a song form, mm-hmm. writing Year 3000. Yep. By August, the band were in a studio in London recording a demo, Uh, And for the purposes of this, they were moved into the Intercontinental Hotel in Park Lane. Once finished, they were desperate to hear the final tracks. But in September, they were still waiting. They'd now been signed to Prestige for six months and felt things weren't really moving forward. And as James approached his 18th birthday, he started to 
to worry. He'd recently split with girlfriend Kara and he'd quit college for a band that appeared to have stalled. So who, who where were these songs? With the producers putting them together. They, right. you know, they they'd been in and recorded. They the hadn't producers. come back and they hadn't heard them. Uh, the cracks in the relationships were beginning to show and, and it showed that the band members wanted to go in different musical directions. Mm. Owen wanted for them to be traditionally pop. But both James and Matt were influenced by Blink-182 yeah. and they wanted to have an edgier sound. Something or someone was going to have to give and they weren't sure that Rashman was the man to take them anywhere as it now ticked over into October. Mm. And so on the 3rd of October 2001, the band faxed Rashman terminating their management agreements with him. Two days later, as Matt was driving to Southend to go and see James, Rashman phoned him and he, Matt admitted that he what he didn't want was to work with Owen and Kai, but he was still keen to work with Rashman. At, at the same time, James was in Southend having a very similar conversation with Fletch. Mm. And after discussing it with each other, they agreed and told Rashman that they wanted him to represent them as a twosome. And on the following Monday, the 8th of October 2001, the original lineup of Busted was disbanded. Yeah. Uh, but the band wasn't going to work as a two-piece, so they soon took out an ad in the stage and the enemy for new members. Auditions were held at Pineapple Studios in London, uh, and this was at the height of Pop Idol fever. Mm. Uh, yeah. And four of the auditionees were chosen to come back for a second audition a few days later. Mm-hmm. Among them included a 16-year-old called Charlie Simpson and another 16-year-old called Tom Fletcher. <laughs> Now, Matt knew of Tom because he'd been a couple of years above him at the Sylvia Young Theatre School. Tom sang a Garth Brooks song and B.B. Max back here for his audition. Uh, But at 16-year-olds and six foot two and working as a model, Charlie Simpson really caught the eye of manager Richard Rashman. I'm sure he did. From the minute he saw him outside in the audition. At the second audition, they were played some tracks. They were played What I Go to School For and asked to sing with a band. And as Tom chatted away with James, he thought he stood a fair chance because they they discovered they had quite a bit in common. Mm. They both had a mutual love for Michael Jackson. They both adored Back to the Future. And they'd also both played Oliver in the West End. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. (laughs) That night, Charlie and Tom were the two to receive phone calls telling them they were in the band and inviting them down to the studio the next week. And so the four met up to set in motion their new world as members of Busted. They celebrated at the end of their first day by going out for fast food together, which is pretty much all you can do when you're 16 and 17 and have just formed a band. (laughs) Oh, it's so, so, I love it. It's so wholesome. Uh, But later that night, high on his dreams, Tom received another phone call. Rashman told him that they decided that Busted is going to be a threesome and those three were going to be James, Matt and Charlie. Mm. Charlie Simpson was a little bit different to Matt and James. He was from a middle-class family and he'd attended boarding school in Rutland, the very exclusive Uppingham School. But like them, he discovered very early that that music was his love. On his 10th birthday, he'd been given his first electric guitar and he had formed several bands at school. The first one was called Natural Disasters, which he formed when he was 12. But he'd also played in bands called Foobar, Manhole and Spleen. (laughs) It's quite interesting though then because they're all from quite different backgrounds because Matt was from a rough part of Molesy. Yeah. James sounds like he was from a fairly affluent family in Southend but then Charlie's the next level. Yeah. And Matt's, so Matt's dad lived next door to my cousins. Right. 
part of the family that we refer to as the clampets because of the rough part of the family mm. so it's you know that is it was council housing it's it's claygate actually where they are and claygate's considered quite posh it's yeah. sorry commute about but then it you've is, got there when a... you go past the posh houses in claygate yeah. right down the end you've got the little couple of streets of council By housing lane and that. yeah yeah no it's it's exactly really well. where it is yeah yeah uh, the band went into the studio to record with a guy called steve robson laying oh. okay no go on no that name's come up before okay <laughs> laying down what i go to school for she knows and cycle girl as demo tracks because rashman had planned to start shopping them around to record companies in january but robson's girlfriend happened to work with simon cow and had asked had asked if she could play him the early tracks on hearing them he said he wanted to hear more from them once they'd been together for more than a fortnight they continued to work on their sound and crash and burn was added to the demo along with year 3000 and as 2001 came to an end things were really just starting to jingle for them i bloody love busted (laughs) bloody love them when you say all their songs i'm like yes in january 2002 flet and fletch and rash had set them up with meetings at several record companies and they started this off with Simon Cow. The first series of Pop Idol was in the middle of its run and by now Simon was a pretty well-known face, mainly for being a dick if he didn't like something. (laughs) They performed a song for him and he asked if he could hear it again and he immediately offered them a £1 million deal. But he was talking to them about changing things and bringing in other members, changing the format and unsure of that, they continued with the rest of their meetings they visited a guy called Paul Adam at Island Records and this was the home of one of Charlie's favourite bands. Paul later spoke about the meeting saying... What was the band? Uh, Deus. Paul later spoke about the meeting saying, I wanted to lock the door so they couldn't get away and sign with another record company. But everyone wanted to sign them and they went away for a week to consider all the various wow. offers they'd got, eventually deciding that Island was the best fit for them. Isn't that amazing? So they signed up. And it was the second largest deal in Ireland's history, only coming behind you two. Wow. That's incredible, though, that they're brand new. And it's so fast. And yeah. they're so young as yeah. well. They're, they're just, they're just turning 17 and 18. There must have been a but real... songs, though, yeah. are so good. Like, for those yeah. songs to be the first things that they whacked out... There must as... have been, like, a real need for that kind of music at that time. Do you come in out of Britpop? at this time yeah but 2001 was like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and that but this isn't that kind of pop is it this is a much edgier pop that's right so there was obviously a gap for young boys to be doing this kind of like you say Blink 182 influence thing a debut album was on the cards and setting up once again with Steve Robson plus a songwriter called John McLaughlin they went into Brick Lane Recording Studios which is in the heart of the east end of London it very quickly became clear that the Bourne's home in Southend wasn't the greatest location for them to commute in to record. Mm-hmm. And in February, they were moved into a flat together in North London. So they were put up in a band house. It's yep. a very boy band thing. On the 5th of March 2002, they officially signed on the dotted line with Island Records, after which Rashman tied off a couple of loose ends with Kai and Owen signing an agreement over some songs that had been written in the days of the Termites. They took ownership of two songs called She Knows and Who's Your Daddy and everything else was agreed on as James and Matt's work. 
Everything was falling into place with Busted as they finished their debut album and in May they recorded the video for the debut single, which it had been decided was going to be what I go to school for. That's right. In July they were at the Prince's Trust party in the park. They weren't performing but they were being sent out to kind of hang around and create a bit of a buzz about them and they were watching the big pop acts of the day which included boy band Blue and Lee Ryan from Blue (laughs) who was an old pat of Matt's from Sylvia Young Theatre School. Yeah. Uh, And Matt had finally settled on his name. He'd been born Matt Willis. He'd done his acting career as Matt Sargent, his stepfather's name, and for Busted he settled on being called Matty J. August 2002, they were the... very first band to be featured on the cover of Smash It before they released a single. Wow. In September 2002, That's What I Go to School For was released. The song about a teacher that Matt Willis had a crush on. <laughs> it debuted at number three Matty on the J. UK charts. <laughs> the video features the three dressed in school uniforms, <laughs> lusting after a teacher. It's but really also good. the greatest ever double entendre ever to feature in a boy band video as the three sneak round to the teacher's house and peer through her letterbox to see her sat on the sofa stroking her pussy. <laughs> it's a good video. Again, it was another I one that used that to come on the box. I love that video so much. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Even though, I mean, and they are schoolboy age, but their supporting cast, like the people around yeah. them, quite plainly not school. <laughs> like, way too old to be at school. And they were doing like the moonwalk in Dr. Martins and stuff. <laughs> they just looked fucking great. And it's so much, it, it's another one of those songs that you hear it and you can't not be happy. You, you have can't to jump be like, up and down. <gasps> yeah, it's great. Uh, the release of their self titled debut album followed. Eponymous. Eponymously titled debut album followed. But it disappo- disappointingly only reached number 30. But actually, nobody was worried. It was their company that assured them releasing the album so soon after the single was really unusual and it just needed a little bit of time. Yeah. With the album out in the world, James found he also had more time now to start focusing on writing for album number two and he knew of someone he wanted to work on songs with, a guy called Tom Fletcher. Yes. Tom joined him one evening at the band house in Frying Barnet and together that first night they wrote a song called Chills in the Evening. With the net single not due out for a few months, they threw themselves into promotion. They were playing live gigs, including doing the Smash Hits 2002 tour. And I didn't realise it had gone on that long. Like, I know I ended doing Smash Hits stuff in the mid-90s because yeah. that's when I ended boy band stuff. I didn't realise it, it had yeah. kept going. In fact, it kept going right up until Smash Hits went bust. Most nights when he got home from a gig, James would invite Tom round to write with him. In the new year, just as the record company predicted, the album took hold and achieved gold status, 100,000 records. They were presented with gold discs on the 23rd of January 2003, the same day that follow-up single Year 3000 was released. The song about James James's obsession with the film Back to the Future entered the charts at number two. And the video features James's little brother playing the science-obsessed kid from next door who'd been to the Year 3000. The song remained in the top ten the top 10 for three months yeah it is a just like fucking forever. great song it is a great song us listeners will know it as well yeah from the jonas brothers doing yeah. a cover with a tour planned for may james invited tom fletcher on tour with him he knew that matt and charlie partied much harder than he did and with long nights on a tour bus they could get cracking on some songs for the next album mm. and tom jumped at the chance to spend time working with him they started writing before the tour started. On Pancake Day 2003, Tom met James at the flat and after initially wondering if they should write a song about pancakes, 
they moved to a track inspired by another favourite film, Wayne's World. And that night they wrote Crash the Wedding together. <laughs> so thank God that nothing rhymes with pancake. <laughs> or we might never have had Crash the Wedding. Another good one. <laughs> Not my fave, but good. It's, I think it's one of my faves. Yeah. Mm. More so because of the video. Yeah. Third single, You Said No, was released at the end of <sighs> April. That's such a good song. The song had originally been called Crash and Burn, but at the start of February, the Columbia air disaster happened oh. and they changed the name of it out of respect. Yeah. You Said No entered the charts at number one. Yeah. Making them the first band ever to have their first three singles debut at chart positions in ascending order. Three, two, one. That's so good. And securing them a spot in the Guinness World of Records. Oh, that is such a good song. I fucking love it. I love all their songs. In May, they headed out on their sellout tour. And whilst Matt dived headfirst into the advantages of tour, women and drink, (laughs) James and Tom dived into writing together. Each night, they go back to the hotel, order a milkshake and write songs. Oh, they're so sweet. James is still like that now, though, isn't he? Yeah, I think Tom is too oh, tom's yeah. the cutest oh tom is the best but let's he's keep, not let's, let's keep, keep tom, tom for when we fly, do yeah <laughs> uh after the tour the other members of busted also con- concentrated on doing new material for the album with matt collaborating with guy chambers for two songs fake and better than this and they traveled to la to record with producers the matrix who'd previously worked with avril Lavigne. Mm. In July, they released their first official book, imaginatively called Busted, which I also used for notes for this episode. Great. Thank you very much, guys. The fourth and final single from the album, Sleeping With The Light On, was which released... Which is, by the way, on our Spotify playlist. I know, and I love it. It was released in August and reached number three. In an interview with the Daily Telegraph promoting the single, the boys made it very clear that they didn't like being called a boy band. The term boy band pisses us off, said James Bourne. We don't do what boy bands do. Charlie added, for people to call us a boy band is offensive. It's degrading. And Matt ended with, we are boys and we're in a band. We're not a boy band. We don't dance and we write our own songs. Shut up, busted. (laughs) By now, Charlie was becoming a bit disconnected from the music they were doing. He felt he had a lot of songs within him, but they weren't suited to busted and he had no outlet for them. And during 2003, he met a songwriter stroke guitarist called Alex Westaway and a drummer called Omar Abidi at a party. The trio jammed together and really hit it off and they began repeating this at rehearsal studios. They added in another friend called Dan High and they'd meet regularly to songwrite and rehearse using the name Fightstar. In October, they geared up for the release of the first track off their second album, which was Crash the Wedding. The video featured a wedding scene with the three guys from Busted dressing up as various guests, and Matt himself was playing the blushing bride. (laughs) It was based on the wedding scene from The Graduate. The B-side of the single was a special track, a cover of Build Me Up Buttercup, which was a collaboration with Tom Fletcher and his band McFly. (laughs) The single went straight in at number one. They followed this up with the release of the second album, A Present, Present for, for Everyone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was the following week, and it debuted at number two. They were beaten to the top spot 
by James's James Bourne's idol, Michael Jackson. Fuck off. Come on. We really want them to have a number one album. <laughs> Busted ended 2003 win- winning a string of awards at the Smash Hits Poll Winners Party. Good for them. Like many boy bands before them. They took home Best Band in the World Ever, Stars of the Year, Best UK Band, Best Album and Top Pop Mop. <laughs> for Charlie. <laughs> For Matt. Oh, oh yeah, he, he had, had that those thing spikes. where he went. No, oh, it was... that flock of seagulls. Yeah, the even, thing. yeah. <laughs> they started 2004 picking up two Brit awards: the Best British Breakthrough Act and Best Pop Act. They ma- narrowly missed out on win- winning Best British Group, and they were beaten to it by the Darkness. But their victories left them feeling vindicated for all the people who'd branded them as just another boy band. Yeah. Uh, there was a lengthy arena tour coming up too, supported by their pals McFly and another act that were on the prestige label, a boy band called V. Singles Who's David and Air Hostess, which reached number one and number two respectively. But now they were also killing it across Europe and in Japan. During the tour, egged on by a journalist from the NME who claimed that Matt's partying was lame, Matt threw a TV out the hotel window. The the police arrived, but their tour manager sweet-talked the policewoman with some free tickets and a meet-and-greet, and and he avoided getting into trouble. That's what tour managers are for. (laughs) (laughs) The reasons for celebrations, singles, albums, tours, and their friends McFly were now hitting the big time. They all piled up, and Matt was starting to be known for his ability to celebrate hard. He would drink when he woke up, he would have a liquid lunch, and he wasn't a stranger to a spliff, which he'd been smoking since the age of 13. But they still had to conquer America, where they headed right after their final gig on the UK tour. So 2004 was also the, um, was it the 20th anniversary of Band-Aid? Yes. Have you got that in here? Yes. Right. Chronological order? That's fine. When does Band-Aid come out? It was 89, wasn't it? Oh, Christmas time. <laughs> Do you want to wait for Christmas? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember, because I went to a special gig they put on for Band-Aid and I, I don't remember it being Christmas time but that's okay it probably was uh, they were followed in America by MTV filming a reality type show called America or Busted yes and the series opens with the boys in the back of a car on the way to the airport reiterating how much they didn't want to be perceived as a boy band <laughs> Charlie said he'd rather not make it in America than be perceived as a boy band by the US market <laughs> Uh, a new version of the album called Busted was put together specifically for the US. It was a mixture of tracks from the two UK albums. Mm. It didn't char and their trip proved futile as they fought with the record company about how they wanted to be marketed. Remember, not a boy band. Mm. And the American market really didn't know where to fit them in amongst the radio stations that would, that would yeah. solely focus. It'd be a country station, a pop station, a hip-hop station, a rock station. There was not really a defined fit for Busted. What I remember from watching that, and I haven't watched it since it was mm. actually on telly, was they went to CBGB, which doesn't exist anymore, and they were so excited about going to CBGB, which was the birthplace of rock in America, and Cara flew out to meet yeah. James. Yeah. They'd split up, and they were about to get back together. Yeah. The US trip was perfect timing for a couple of reasons, though. Matt had just turned 21, so was legally able to drink oh, there. And James had split up once again with long-term girlfriend, Cara Toynton, and mm. he had he gave him something to focus on as he got through their breakup. But like yeah. you said, the, in the middle of it, yeah. she flies out to see him. 
and they argue the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although they didn't have any chart success, they were invited to record the theme song for the film Thunderbirds, they which was due out later in the year. Good song. It was packaged as a double A side with the album track 3AM, and it gave them their fourth and final UK number one in August 2004. The next single release encountered a bit of trouble with the UK charts. It was She Wants to Be Me, and it failed to chart as it was released in two formats. And they were formats that weren't recognised by the UK chart system. Digital downloads and a pocket-sized CD. They both breached chart regulations, so none of the sales were counted. Wow. I didn't know that either. In October 2004, the three reportedly told Tatler that they were true blue Tories through and through. What? I don't really like talking about politics, but I've always grown up with their views. The Tory ways of doing things, I just prefer it, Simpson said in the interview. Oh, well, I'm not surprised that public schoolboy Charlie Simpson <laughs> and the is a Tory. the success of the band had swayed at least one other member. From the financial position that I'm in now, I'm a fucking Tory boy too, said Matty J. <laughs> okay, in sure. The... I wonder if he still feels that way. I, I doubt it. I would be interested, yeah. yeah. In November, they released a live album, A Ticket for Everyone, which reached number 11. And they set off on another sellout tour mm. in which they won the record for the band to play the most consecutive nights at Wembley Arena when they performed there for 11 nights. Now, I think New Kids actually played more nights at Wembley Arena, but they weren't in a row. Yeah. There'd be days off in between it. Yeah. On the final night of the sellout shows, December the 18th, 2004, the future looked bright and rosy for Busted. James told journalist Peter Robinson, who was writing a book about them at the time, The thing that some people don't realise is that when we're on stage, we have as good a time, if not a better time, than the fans do. That's just the way it is. If they want us here, we'll be here. We're not ready for a farewell tour. We haven't really begun yet. That same year, they were part of the Christmas number one single, Band A20, which was a reissue of Do They Know It's Christmas. But by now, the amount of time that Charlie was spending with Fight Style was causing tension with the band. And six days after that epic final show of the tour, he held a meeting with the management and there was only one item on the agenda. On the 24th of December 2004, Charlie told management that he was leaving the band. Charlie. It was announced to the world at a press conference on January the 14th. Charlie later said in an interview, it was a real fun thing to be doing and I got on well with everyone I was doing it with. But on the other side, the music wasn't really fulfilling me. And you can see that from the bands that he said that he liked. Like Deus, really nothing. Mm. We were really mad at Charlie at that point. Yeah. At the press conference, James spoke, clearly struggling, and said, we want Busted to be remembered as the three of us, and that way it will always be the three of us. Matt said, James has been my best friend for four years. This is a really hard time for us. The three got up and left the press conference, and it would be another seven years before James and Matt spoke with Charlie again. Yeah, we were mad. I say yeah. we like it was me, James, and, Char- and Matt. But we were mad because Busted were fucking massive at that point. They, they were, were really... They were doing 11 nights yeah. at Wembley Arena. They also the 11, 12,000 a night? During that those 11 nights, we went and saw them. They announced, I think, a couple of days before they were going to do a daytime show or an afternoon show before their main event. And all the ticket sales and everything else was going to go to Band-Aid. So, and it was just the arena floor, none of the yeah. the rest of it. And we went and it was fucking brilliant. And then we were like, oh yeah, Busted Amazing. 
and then they fucking the high, fucked off. everything is going top ten. Yeah. Like they they can do no wrong. Yeah. Even throwing tellies out of hotel windows. Yeah. <laughs> Whilst they were swimming in success, Matt used alcohol as a means of celebration. Yeah. But now without busted, he started to use alcohol as a way to forget that it had all ended. Mm. In April 2005, he entered the Priory for treatment for alcoholism, dropped off by his girlfriend, MTV presenter Emma Griffiths. He was allowed contact with nobody but Emma, an experience that they later said brought them closer to each other. But he quit the programme two weeks into the month-long course and Emma picked him up and took him home. James formed a band called Son of Dork. Yes, he did. By placing adverts in the enemy on the stage, looking for members. Their debut single reached number four in November 2005 and the follow-up reached number 10 in January 2006. They also wrote a track called We're Not Alone, which was for the Ant and Deck film Alien Autopsy. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. Neither have bad. I. It just looks too awful. I've never got round to watching it. Charlie continued playing with post-hardcore band Fightstar, who have released four albums, all which made the top 30 and 14 singles of varying success. Their sound encompasses, and this is a quote, this is not me, because some of these genres are just, you know, uh, the sound encompasses emo, metal, alternative metal, alternative rock and hardcore punk. I mean, that all sounds like you, Zoe. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> the band went on hiatus between 2010 and 2014. In February 2006, the Mirror reported that James had been in a bus... Starting. He'd been in a bus. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that is really scraping the barrel for news, that is. In February 2006, the Mirror reported that James had been in a public bus stop with Kai Fitzgerald. Oh. Who had been booted from the band in 2001. When they were attending the opening of a new nightclub, James was allegedly cross at Kai because he was suing the band for royalties that he claimed he was owed. James supposedly threatened to knock him out. (laughs) And although it came to nothing, Kai went home and called the police. He didn't press charges because, you know, nothing happened. (laughs) A, A spokesman for Kai's band, which are called Eyes Wide Open, told the Mirror that a letter had been sent to James's lawyer saying they'd take out a restraining order if it happened again. It didn't happen. No. Look, there's, there's also, no again. I can't imagine my old man, James Bourne, like, fighting for someone. Anyone. No. <laughs> In 2005, Kai and fellow booted member Owen Doyle had filed a lawsuit against James and Matt claiming two million in owed royalties plus a cut of the royalties from the use of the name busted Wait, hang on a minute. and the case was waiting to be heard at the high court but they had had that conversation and agreed you're taking those two songs the rest are going the other way like bring you, it up you then. and i know this oh for fuck's sake oh, they didn't expect them to be as big as they were no and they went, obviously we not. want in yeah. yeah i want my cut of that yeah in May 2006, Matt released a solo single called Up All Night and he's now going under the name Matt Willis officially. It initially debuted at number 52, but this was that week of sales was based on downloads alone. So we're now at a stage where downloads do count towards the charts. Uh, the following week, once they added in physical sales, it went to number seven. In June 2006, the High Court issued an order banning the sale of a CD of early busted session tapes which were being offered. It featured nine tracks that had been recorded in a hotel room in 2001 by that early busted lineup, which was James Bourne, Matt Willis, 
Owen Doyle and Kai, Kyle, Kai Fitzgerald. Owen Doyle had signed over his copies of the recordings to a man named Brandon Davis, and he claimed that he had the right to do so under something called partnership property, as in we all had a share in this, so I, I have the right to sell it. But a judge ruled he did not have the rights to assign for all members of the partnership. Yes. And the consent of all four members was actually required under copyright law. Mm. In July 2006, Matt returned once again to the Priory, this time for treatment for drug addictions. And he has regularly admitted that he smoked cannabis from the age of 13. In August, now out of the Priory, Matt released single number two called Hey Kid, which reached number 11. That's a great song. December 2006, Matt Willis appears on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out, Get Me Out of Here. Uh, it was the sixth season of the British celebrity reality TV show, which dumps basically dumps famous people in the Australian jungle for three weeks <laughs> and makes them compete in challenges to win the chance to get food. His fellow contestants included Mylene Class, Jason Donovan and David Guest. During his time <laughs> in the show, he took part in the Bush Tucker Troll, where he got the chance to eat kangaroo anus, crocodile penis, crocodile eye and witchetty grubs. He was amazing on that show. He reached the final with Mylene and Jason. And as they went into the final day, he was the underdog, basically, with betting firms. They thought he'd be first out. But the bookies, basically, the bookies underestimated the power of the fango and Matt won. He did. Oh, do you know what? I love Matt Willis so much. I just want to hug him. He's just the <laughs> nicest man. Matt's he was win. so sweet in that. Yeah. Matt's win coincided with the release of his solo album on Mercury Records called Don't Let It Go to Waste. It actually came out whilst he was in the jungle and it was followed up by single of the same name. Do you know, the thing is, right, that TV show and a lot of these reality shows where they've got cameras on them all the time, like Celebrity Big Brother or whatever, they're true genuine personalities come out especially, especially celebrity in that one where they're starved and they're hungry yeah. and they're tired and the board so i was i think it was in the mcfly book where i was reading about was it dougie from mcfly mm-hmm. that did it without ruining it too much saying that it's so boring in there that all everyone does is sit around and talk about food mm-hmm. and if when you get the chance to do a bush tucker trial it's actually really exciting because yeah. you're like great four hours out of camp yeah exactly so i think that anyone who comes out of those sort of things with a a good public backing are decent human beings yes because you can manage to convey yourself Mm. as fun interesting for that amount of time absolutely and respectful especially because they're famous people and you know a lot Mm. of famous people are not so (laughs) whilst the royalties case is still waiting to go to court Doyle and Fitzgerald filed another for damages, claiming they'd been left out of the busted biography, which hadn't even been released yet. Oh, my God. They claimed that this action was in order to protect their rights. They served the papers on Matt as he left the GMTV studios following an interview about winning I'm a Celebrity. <laughs> in February 2007, James's band Son of Dog go on tour with Wheatus. Oh, yeah, I know someone who was in Wheatus and probably at that time as well. In April 2007, Matt releases a single called Crash. It's a cover of the Primitive Song. Yeah. It's from the soundtrack to the Mr. Bean's Holiday film, and it reached number 31. Just as he was about to leave on a solo tour, he sacked his agents at Prestige Management, Fletcher Mashman. In May 2007, 
Doyle and Fitzgerald add universal music to their action, claiming their vocals are on the Busted album and they're owed royalties for that too. Guys. <laughs> Guys. Come on. July 2007, Son of Dork announced on MySpace that they've split up. MySpace. Well, that would be the place to do it in that year. I mean, come on. MySpace was basically <laughs> four bands, yeah. wasn't it? 2008. Kai Fitzgerald and Owen Doyle. Oh, these guys. <laughs> so the, the suit goes to court, basically. it They're suing for two million in royalties for what they felt were their contributions to the writing of the songs Sleeping With The Light On, What I Go To School For, Psycho Girl and Year 3000. They allege that manager Richard Rashman and songwriter John McLaughlin had pressured them into signing their rights away in 2002. Okay. Rashman and prestige and also john mcclucklin reached out of court settles settlements with them before it, it got to the high court do we know how much no undisclosed some yeah but james and matt took it to court the result being a judge dismissed their claims and in, in his ruling he left open the issue of the extent to which the original four band members con- contributed to each of the hits he said who wrote the songs was irrelevant to his decision because there'd never been a contract or partnership between the four guys. He said of Kai Fitzgerald, if he did believe the ed- evidence he gave to the court, it can only be because he has indulged in very extensive self-serving reconstruction in the period between the relevant years and the time of the trial Blimey. and has now convinced himself that his reconstructive version of events really happened. The pay loss, basically, and they faced legal fees legal fees of 1.7 million pounds for bringing the case it was later revealed though in the enemy that the duo would to be credited in future as original co-owners of the tracks including the 2002 single what i go to school for so now if you buy a reissue of any of that music then names are on it in june 2008 just before his marriage to long-term girlfriend emma griffiths matt is admitted once again to rehab it's a facility in bournemouth He'd continued to take drugs and drink heavily and he's spoken himself of one particular bad night when he was out with friend Amy Winehouse, who he went to Sylvia Young with. Mm. This time he stayed for the full five-week rehab course and on 5th of July 2008, Matt and Emma marry. Oh, Matt. In 2009, James Bourne joins forces with a playwright called Elliot Davis to write a musical based on the music of Son of Dork called... Loserville the musical it premiered in Bracknell which I I rolled at when I saw it but it was very swiftly moved to the Garrick Theatre in London for a five month run see now we've had a conversation before about James Bourne writing musicals yeah he's got a new one coming out soon there we go 2010 Matt appears in the West End performing a musical theatre in both Flashdance and Footloose and from 2011 to 2012 he appears in Wicked Yes, that's right. He did. <laughs> oh my god, Charlie! Hang really... on, did I see him in Wicked? You've gone really squeaky. I feel like I saw him in Wicked. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Charlie released a solo acoustic album called Young Pilgrim, which reached number six in 2013. Matt and James reunited, but with fellow guitar pop band, <laughs> pop, fellow guitar pop boy band McFly forming McBusted. <laughs> Who I also saw on their tour. Matt also returned to Casualty, albeit under a different character than what he played when he was 13. <laughs> this time he's credited as Matt J. Willis. Okay. 
Uh, the same year he appears in a Miss Marple. Oh, man, I love him so much. And can I also just say, how strong is his marriage for them to survive all of that Yeah, I didn't put this in the, the retail in the story, but I, I almost 100% definitely remember reading that Emma told him she wouldn't marry him unless he went and sorted himself out. And mm. that's why he went so close to the wedding. Yeah, She was like, go and sort this. And I'm putting that in, you know, caveat quotations. I remember reading it. I couldn't find it when I was mm. looking for it. Okay. But I'm sure there was a sort the shit out or, or I'm off. Yeah. And, and and that was what made him wake up and go, yeah. I'm, I'm about to lose the best thing ever here. Yeah. Because uh, they met when she was a VJ on MTV. MTV and she interviewed them. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like when Donnie met Jenny, like the sparks were there immediately. Yeah. yeah. 2014, Charlie released another Sober album. Sober? Another celibate album. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's because I'm trying to rush through this because I'm like, I need to be in bed an I'm hour late ago. For bed. Uh, 2014, Charlie released another solo album called Long Road Home. In February 2014, Matt appeared in EastEnders playing Stacey's boyfriend. It was only ever scripted as a short-term role. Mm-hmm. He followed this up playing Garth Stubbs in the revamped series Birds of a Feather, which was returning to the UK screens after a 16-year absence. Oh, yeah. I loved him in that. Mm. I really, But I always loved Birds of a Feather. In November 2015, posting an image of three silhouettes on a red background to their social media, Busted announced that they had reunited. Mm-hmm. They'd got together back in April, one of the few times all three had been together since their split ten years before, and they played each other music they'd been working on. In a very short time after this, they'd flown to a studio in Philadelphia and started recording. Although new music wasn't on cards for the release immediately that they announced they were back together, they did announce a 13-day arena tour to come the next year called the Pigs Can Fly Tour. Yes. It sold 100,000 tickets in the first five minutes. And subsequently... <laughs> oh, God, that's so good. And subsequently, they added extra dates and eventually played 20 shows. Mm. It featured a VIP level that was called the Pigsty. Oh, I love it. I love it. Before heading out on tour, they went to the studio in LA to record third album. And on the 3rd of May, they released their first song, Homecoming, and it was put out as a free download on their website. So again, not eligible for chart counting. Uh, and they, at this point, had signed a deal with record company East West Records. In August, it was announced that a musical was in the works based on the songs and written by James Bourne and Elliot Davis once again called What I Go to School For. I could only find one reference to that. Mm. And if it exists and it's not still running in the West End, I want to know why the fuck not. Because I would go and see that every night of my life. <laughs> 30th of September 2016, On What You're On was released as the first official single from their next album. On the 23rd of October, they made their first TV appearance in over 12 years, appearing on The X Factor, where they performed Year 3000 with the contestants. In November, a year after the reunion was announced, they released Album Night Driver. It reached number 13 on the charts and number 5 on the download chart. In June 2017, they returned to LA for ostensibly for a gig at the Troubadour and to be re- begin recording for their fourth album. This album was released in November 2018. It was preceded by single 90s with a video that was directed by famous British photographer Rankin and the album was called Halfway There. It reached 
I've not put what number it reached. <laughs> oh no, suspense. Sorry, I was trying to suspend. Do suspense. <laughs> Uh, the fourth album, Halfway There, was released on February the 12th, 2019. I've put February the 12th. So <laughs> well I'm not done. sure if that's meant mm-hmm. to be the first, and I've mm-hmm. hit the two by mistake. Or... Okay, yeah. It reached number two. two. I remember the excitement. I remember standing in prison at Kingston when they were like, everyone download it now. like, And everyone had to buy an extra download because they mm. were just, it was so close. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, a handful of sales in yeah. it that they didn't get their first number one like album. A thousand sales, something yeah. like that, wasn't it? Yeah. The album's title is a reference to a lyric in Busted's 2003 single, Year 3000. The lyric being, everybody brought our seventh album, it had outsold Michael Jackson. So this being album number fourth, they're halfway there to seventh album that would outsell Michael Jackson. Or in the Jonas Brothers version, it would outsell Kelly Clarkson. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That brings us up to date. The story of Busted. I love Busted. Everyone's heard about the time we... I mean, it's only... It feels like yesterday that we went to see them, but that was for the album. We went to an album signing for the release of Halfway There. Matt's in a film this year, which is due out on the 24th of August. So last Friday. Yeah. What's it called? It's called Madness in the Method. Okay. I think it's just a small part in it, but that was the you know, the next step along the way. Yeah. I'm gutted that we didn't go and see them on tour. Yeah. I had a ticket. I had to sell it. I was going to see the script. I am, like, having sat and done the research. And I did the research with every time I came across a mention of a song. Normally, I just go through and would do the research because I know every time I came across a mention of the song, I had to go and put it on YouTube. Mm. Like, I was immediately like, oh, shit, that song, yeah, yeah. and would put it on straight away. You recognise them all when you listen to them, so... But the great thing about them is you don't... You just need to hear the title and yeah. you can straight away sing the whole yeah, fucking song. exactly. Yeah. And their so videos are great My as life well. with Busted started when I first met Matt, which I'm... Again, I think we've spoken about this before, when David Blaine was hanging in his box over the Thames and people were going up and throwing eggs at him. And I was behind Matt in a big crowd of people, just quite by accident. And he was with his girlfriend, Holly, who was pre-Emma. And uh, we spoke to him because they were trying to take a selfie, Mm. which didn't exist back then. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, do you want me to take that for you? Because my friend was going, it's Matt from Busted. I was like, it fucking isn't. It was. And then I saw them on that Band-Aid 20 anniversary gig. And then I saw them as McBusted. And then obviously we met them and saw Mm. them perform in Prism. So, mm. and we had a good chat with them. Well, you all know we spoke. We should about get out some already, of the clips. So. Let's yeah. hunt out some of those clips we did from those videos when we talked to that night. And, yeah, and play it out at the end. And how Matt said it used to really piss me off when people called us a boy band, but actually now we don't yeah. mind. And then, and I do get what they're coming from because I know we're all kind of like just face up to guys. You're a boy band. I get that they didn't think that was the niche they fitted yeah. into, and they they wanted people to know actually. This, these songs that are going in at number three, number two, number one, we're writing them. Mm. We're, you know, I'm an 18-year-old kid and I wrote... In fact, they were younger. They were 16, 17 yeah. when they wrote a number one record. Yeah. And I get that they wanted to be seen and recognised for that because that was where they were different from what they as teenagers saw as a boy band, which was singing and dancing. Yeah. Even though Take That wrote their own songs, by the way... <laughs> I know Boyzone didn't and Westlife didn't but come on but I do get where they're coming from and I yeah. do understand why yeah. they weren't keen on it 
Oh, totally. I get it. They wanted to distance but themselves from I, that. they appear to young girls and for our purposes, they're a boy band. Boy band. For our purposes, they're a boy band that we hope are going to knock the basic rollers oh off God. the top of the chart. This is so exciting. It is exciting. So let's go away and have a look let's and we'll go come and, back. Let's go in science. Although cast us as a boy band, but we get put in that category. We did. I think a boy band. It did. Does it offend us? Not anymore. I don't really care, but it used to really piss me off because um, I used to think that I thought of a boy band as a as a ba ba ba. I fucking I tried. Tried, darling. This is my second choice. It's going terribly wrong. So points busted, and now at number one. So. They do really well on their UK chart positions. Yes. How could they like everything? They literally owned the charts for such a long time. Yeah. And they also score in the US. The, the more recent stuff has charted in the US. Uh, been they were together for a short amount of time. They've been yeah. performed for four years. Style. We both agreed on this that that for the. The school uniform look alone. Matt's various haircuts. We definitely need to introduce a haircut category. Yeah, I really feel like we should. They get really good style points. They didn't technically lose a member because when Charlie said he wanted to leave, they split the band up. So they don't get any subtractions for losing members. They all played instruments. Yep. They all played multiple instruments. Song, they get maximum songwriting points. Yeah. They were teenagers who wrote a string of songs that all made the top ten. And they, they wrote all, all their songs. Yes, and all their songs are amazing. Post-career, they get they don't quite PJ and Duncan it on their <laughs> post-boy band career because I think PJ and Duncan are the litmus. They are PH7. Yes. So they get average points of their post-career. They, they all did... Fairly well, they had solo careers. They, you know. Shall we run down from 10? We, we technically now have a top 50, Amy. I don't know why you're avoiding this. I just, it's just so long. I tell you what, we'll do a top 50 and stick it on Facebook or something like that. Why are you winking at me? I don't know, I think I was <laughs> just twitching. I was twitching. <laughs> We've almost got rid of all the Eurovision people out of the top 20 now. Great. So your day will soon come. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Once they're gone, we'll start running down from 20. So top 10? Yeah. Oh, I really feel sad that if we just only do the top 10, we don't get our EYC yeah. moment. Mm, mm. Let's do the top 14. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 14, big fun. Yay. 13, LFO. No. At 12, EYC. Yeah. 11, BB Mac. Number 10, Damage. At number 9 is Human Nature. He Num- don't love you now. And number 8 is Another Level. Yay. At number 7 is PJ and Duncan. At number 6, Criss Cross. Going into our top five. Oh my god, where are they gonna fucking come? At number five. Wait. <laughs> at number five, is it five? Five and no. five. Oh, we haven't Number got there five yet. is Bros. At oh. number four. Five. Yes. Oh my god. Enter it into our top three. Number three. The Jonas Brothers. <laughs> oh my god. 
god so a busted number two or a busted number one? Oh come on they've been number two so many times with their albums and stuff <laughs> come on look we've got to knock the Bay City Rollers off have they done it at number two busted oh so close and at number one for the 800th week in a row is the Bay City Rollers cool we had busted. a little bit of movement. Yeah. Busted were great. But I think the number, the sheer volume of stuff that the Bay City Rollers did, they've been around for years. Yeah, it took us two episodes yeah. to tell their story. <laughs> yeah. So, like, their chart points are up there. And they did, Bay City Rollers did so well in mm. the US. They just came at that yeah. time for them. And like we said in the episode, the US didn't really know how to handle mm. Busted, yeah. where to put them. So... So what we need is a boy band who've broken America as well. Yeah. Has that happened? Or an American boy band that were big in the UK. Oh. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks this week. Go to, weirdly, uh, the McFly autobiography called Unsaid Things, Our Story. And also McBusted, the story of the world's biggest super band by Jennifer Parker. Oh, I also used Busted's own book called busted but it was more a photo book with just little oh. snippets of them it didn't bring me much valuable information but i did use it for reference as well a lot of stuff so america or busted oh yeah i want to go and watch them all again now <laughs> i'm gonna keep these books and read them okay i probably need them to do the next episode okay <laughs> i wonder <laughs> who's can, coming next you can have them when i go away <laughs> okay good idea yeah. yeah yeah good okay so thank you very much once again for listening to us it was uh, it's a chunky one this week, but I liked it. We fulfilled Amy's dream of doing a big one. Yes, yes, finally. Uh, although it wasn't One Direction and it wasn't in sync, but we I, will get there one day. We will, and I do appreciate not just doing the ones no one's really heard of for years yeah. and years. The so ones we can get excited about because we yeah. really know the music, and it's from a time and place love where we can go. Love the music, love the talent, met the band. Yeah. Seen the band. If you are enjoying what we're doing, we really, really appreciate your support. You can sponsor us at www.patreon.com forward slash boyband. And you know what, actually, if you sponsor us in this busted week, we'll send you a copy of the busted album. Oh, yeah. Really good idea. Yeah, we'll do that. So follow us on Instagram at I'm with a boy band. We're on Twitter at the boy band pod. Or you can email us at theboybandpod at gmail.com. Come over and join us on our Facebook group. You'll find us by searching I'm with the boy band. <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll be back next week with who knows what. <laughs> a girl band, maybe. <laughs> no. Definitely not. Thanks for joining us. It's been fun. Bye. Our theme music is Fire and Light Starts With You, Chris Russell, songsaboutgirl.com. <laughs>